0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host.
2: Welcome back to another episode here at A View from the Bullings. This is the post-match Sheffield United versus Everton game. Sheffield United 2, Everton 2. Ben, you were at Bramall Lane for the game. Everton come back from behind at halftime to rescue a point in reality, but maybe could have gone on to get all three points before Jordan Pickford pulls off a world-class save at the end to, to preserve Everton's points on the road.
1: What did you make of the game? Um, it was It's quite hard to muster, really. I think Everton probably just edged it, to be honest. They probably should have left Bramall Lane with all three points. As we've always said on this podcast, if you get a point on the road and win your home games, you know, a point's always a good point. But we haven't won any home games yet this season. It's good to get off the mark. It's good to score our first two goals. Um, I think, obviously, the Corey one came from an Ashley Young corner, which was a massive improvement from the week before, where Ashley Young continuously hit the goalkeeper's hands. So that was nice to see Decorey getting his first goal. Um, and then, unfortunately, in the first half, when you just want to like go for the jugular, I felt like Everton sat back. I felt like they didn't really go and try and punish Sheffield United. They kind of like sat in a bit deeper and allowed Sheffield United to grow into the game. Obviously, the goal for De to go one and up. It's always nice to go one and up away from home. And then you think, right, keep a clean sheet and you go on to win the game. Um the overall performance, of course, was a lot better. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of chances with probably a few individual errors, shall we say? Um, I think the first goal, there's a collective of errors. The ball gets worked out to your good friend Gus Hamer, crosses the ball in. Um McBurney just nutted down, and Cameron Arthur, I thought, was probably Sheffield United's one of the best players on the day. Smashes it past Jordan Pickford. Unfortunately, if you are Onana, you don't want to be watching that goal back, to be honest, because you've got to stop the cross. How many times have we seen it this year that Everton have failed to stop the cross? Because when the ball goes into that box, time, time after time, we fail to deal with it. If you stop the cross, the ball doesn't get there's no chance presented. Onana got lazy. He followed his runner out there, which was the hard part to do but failed to stop and put any actual efforts into stopping the cross going in. And then the second goal, Nathan Patterson, who had a disastrous first half, I thought, grew into the game in the second half, but the first half was was diabolical. You know, comes inside, starts James Sarkovsky. They get in behind and it's just an unfortunate error. They hit the post. Jordan Pifford couldn't do anything. Hits him on the back of the head, and We find ourselves 2-1 down at half-time. Now... The positive side of me is we've come out in that second half and we've gone for it. We've properly tried. I think old Everton teams would have, you know, lay everything back down, would have been able to fight back into it, used a negative mentality and wouldn't have been able to fight back. But positive is we did fight back and we went back to 2-2 quite early on. A well-worked goal with Nathan Patterson making up with a, with a really good cross. Low and hard, what we've been screaming for for literally... How long now? Why are we out there if we float these balls in when it gets worked out wide? Is um, I don't know, but he puts a low hard cross in, and Dan Juma um, scores the goal. Dan Juma as well, you know. He had a bit of hit and miss first half, but I think he grew into um, he grew into the game well for obviously getting off the mark, scoring his first goal for Everton, um, sending us into absolute hysterics. You know, it was absolute carnage. But if you, I, I do want to raise one point, I feel like the referee. Uh, on the day. I feel like Premier League referees, and it's not just for Everton this, by the way, I genuinely feel like the Premier League referees this season have, have somehow got worse. I feel like the inconsistency is there for so many clubs, so many teams, you know, the, the Dan Juma one, you know, we get to share pull back. I understand that it, it happened outside the area, but there's a new rule where if, if the foul takes you into the area, then it's a penalty. And if it's not a penalty, is it a red card? It's, it's just consistency with these Premier League referees. It's you know, there's no bias. I think I just think they're very poor. I think all in all, the referees are just shocking in England. Um, so yeah, that that was disappointing to see. But overall, it's a point. Everton are off the mark. You know, probably should have been free in my eyes, but it wasn't to be, unfortunately. Mm, yeah, good assessment there, Ben Lee. You were you were at home watching it, and when
2: you're at home watching it, sometimes you can get a different view on things, a different angle on things because you can see things things back when you are at the ground. So, what was your point of view from the game a 2-2 draw
3: um, a lot of similarities as to what Ben's pointed out there um, I think looking at the the penalty decision I think I've, I've just got to be honest and and say what I what I really think because uh, that's what it's all about on the pod at the end of the day I, I do think the referees are with some my inconsistencies I think there is a consistency when it comes to Everton and that's that we consistently getting screwed over uh, week on week Um, It seems to be a theme that's following us around where I'm almost heading into games now um, expecting there to be at least one decision which is going to go against Everton um, and an inexplicable one at that. And if you think uh, of the reasons why VAR was brought in, it was to sort of take away any of the controversy to an extent and give officials the opportunity to look at things in slow motion if if needs be, um, repeatedly if needs be in order to come to the right decision. And I didn't know that rule heading into yesterday in terms of, I thought, if the contact started outside the box, it's a it's a free kick outside the box, end of story. So I didn't really think too much of it. But then I found out later on that there's this rule that Ben's just spoken about then. And surely the referee has been briefed on that. He, he's fully aware of what the rules are. And if he doesn't, he's got backups in the VAR studio who, who know what the rule is as well. So why is it, as did it, by the way, I can't remember. Did it go to VAR? I think it did, and it was turned down quite quickly. Um, explain that. I don't understand how how that can be the case. If they're aware of the rule, it's quite evident that he, he grabs onto his shirt outside the box and then it carries on and it carries on. It's a penalty. It's a blatant penalty. So if they're looking at that and they're looking at replays of that, give me an explanation as to why the, the what it, there wasn't a retrospective decision made and Everton weren't given a penalty. There is none. And I'm sorry, I know... I know you know, there are bad decisions and there are, there are poor standards of officiating across the the Premier League. I agree with that. But Everton tend to get screwed over week on week. That's my observation. And I could hold my hands up. I, I, I might just be looking at it from an Everton lens. Um, I, I don't watch other teams. I don't watch Premier League games habitually. I watch our games. But what, what I do see, and if you look, there's a lot of people saying the same thing. Everton seem to be on the wrong end of some really, really poor decisions and not just poor decisions decisions that seem inexplicable to me where they've got the chance to look at it and they either choose not to or they give the wrong decision and it's infuriating because listen we've got enough going on against us I'm not saying that's the reason why Everton yeah, no, are where we are because that that would be nonsense um you know we're not, we're not the best side in the league far from it you know we're down at the bottom for, for a reason um sometimes we don't help ourselves uh, you look at the goals yesterday, some really, really poor individual play from uh, Anana and Patterson like Ben's pointed out. So yeah, that's that's all true. But then also this is a separate issue. So I'm not blaming Everton's results or whatever on, on sort of whatever this bias is towards Everton. But I do think there is a bias towards Everton. Maybe there is for other clubs as well. But my observation is that the top sides get these decisions and sometimes the the, the teams that are struggling down there don't for whatever reason. And if that makes me sound like a lunatic or a madman, come at me because I'm not bothered. That's my opinion.
2: No, everyone's entitled to their opinion. I don't think there's I don't think they, they target Everton. I watch a lot of football, I'll be honest with you guys. I watch a lot of Premier League football and I think I, I tend to agree with Ben a little bit more here in terms of I think the most Premier League clubs would all sit there and say, we feel hard done to, we feel hard done by and you only have to look at the Man City goal versus Fulham yesterday. There's another error. If you speak to Liverpool fans, they'd probably say, well, the Van send sending off at Newcastle. Is it clear-cut? There's just, and that's just too off the top of my head straight away that I can think of. I think as a collective, there's a lot of poor decisions going out there. I think it was a penalty. I think it should have been given. I can't answer why it's not. It's classed as a dog zoo, which is classed as denying obvious goal-scoring opportunity. That means if you are in between the two points of the 18-yard box and a man is going clean through, and you are last man, if you have not made a genuine attempt to get the ball, which it wasn't because it was a shirt ball, it's a straight red card, because you are denying an obvious goal-scoring opportunity, known in the refereeing world as a dog zoo. That was a dog because he was going to go clean through. Van Dijk's one at Newcastle, that was classed as a dog zoo, hence why he was a straight red card. Now, I just think there's a complete inconsistency in the refereeing world. And then that goes down then to human interpretation. And then this is the problem with VAR, is that the VAR is so inconsistent because VAR isn't a computer deciding what the decision is. It's the human being deciding what the decision is on that computer, so to speak. And that's why when I speak to a lot of referees, they're not a big fan of VAR because then again, it falls down to human interpretation. I think it's a minefield, I'll be honest. And I think as a collective, I think the referees have got to do better. And I think as a collective, there's so many mistakes happening week in and week out in football. You only have to look at the Everton versus Doncaster game in the week. Vitaly Mikolenko clearly handballs it. You don't even need VAR to see it. He clearly handballs it in our box. It should have been a penalty to Doncaster at 1-0. And the referee and linesman didn't give it. Now, why didn't they give it? Because we could all see it in the stands. So I just think there's a collective hole. The officiating is poor. And I think they we knew had it. one of
3: them yesterday as well, bubble, didn't we? So leading up to the goal, that's a clear penalty. It's the same sort of incident, there you and, go. and it wasn't even wasn't even given, wasn't even looked at.
2: It's not even yeah, looked at so, exactly. No. So I just think as a collective, it's so poor throughout the whole league. And when I speak to teams and people in the lower leagues, they say the same. They they lose, you know, they miss out on decisions every week. And I just think, Mel, I don't know whether the game's too quick for referees. I don't know. You know, if you listen to Arsene Wenger, he wanted a referee in each half of the in each half. He wanted two referees on the pitch to uh, so one in each half to obviously help with the speed of the play. That'll probably never happen. But he was trying to come up with ways to help the referees because maybe the game is too quick. I don't know. But anyway, m- moving on from that, Paul, Sheffield United 2, Everton 2. Everton find themselves one up after 14 minutes at Bramall Lane. Were you disappointed that we didn't go on and, and find a second and kick on in that first
0: half? Yeah, I think as Ben said, we sort of sat back a bit. I know Dan Jumar had a chance Basically, straight away after the first goal, and I said to you at the ground, I don't know if you maybe could have put Beto through, or he did have. I did get a corner from him, I think he could have done a bit better with it. However, as I said to you for the second goal, Dan Juman, I thought no one else makes that run in the team, no one else is there to tap that ball in. But yeah, I am disappointed that we never kicked on because they were there for the taking, they were not they were really good, yesterday. Obviously, the have got who's a fantastic player. Obviously, you've been talking about him for a long, long time. And as soon as he had the ball, you were screaming down my ear, don't let him cross, stop the cross. And even when he did put the cross, I remember you going absolutely mad because we know the quality he's got on the ball. But yeah, um, it is disappointing, obviously, at halftime. Would you have took a point? It probably would have, but when you start the second half like that, I think we lacked sort of attack and intent. I think we never really went for it. May that be because of the tactics or because the players just got tired and nobody to come in for them? That's a different discussion, and I think it's a very, very valid point. Whoever thinks that we just didn't really have the fitness yet to sort of go at them, but I just wanted to touch on the record. I obviously haven't had the chance to see it back when I was... I was busy yesterday after the game. But I'm not sure it's a pen myself, obviously. I don't really, really know the real 100%, so I can't comment on that. However, for me, if it's not a pen, it's definitely a red card. I also don't want to really make it sound like I'm asking, like I'm blaming the referee and all the officiating for the for the results. I think we weren't, we weren't good enough to win the game. I thought it all was a very a fair result. I think we had more of the attacking intent, but I thought they had the better chances overall. I can recall three world-class saves from Jordan Pickford yesterday, which I'm sure we'll touch on before. So, yeah, disappointing to to not get the win, obviously. But when you put the game into context and you see how it was playing out, especially at half-time, there's positives to take. And I think we will improve as players' fitness become better and players start to come back from injury to the likes of Harrison, Dominic, and McNeil fully fit, Seamus Coleman, who's a massive, massive miss. So, yeah, I think we'll get better.
2: Ben, there's obviously a lot of talk now on social media in regards to Sean Dyche. And could he have done any more to to get the three points? Obviously, looking at the bench, it was it was a very weak bench in reality. But do you think Sean Dyche could have done anything more to, to get three points at Bramwell
1: Lane? It's hard, isn't it? You look at that bench and we didn't even fill the bench. I think there was nine substitute spots. We only had seven. I think that consisted of like on Yango, for example, Ben Godfrey, um, Dwight McNeil I felt sorry for some of the players out there to be fair, because you look at that bench and you go there's no one really on there to come on and change the game obviously Dwight McNeil was first game back I thought he looked a bit a bit leggy, l- l- lacking a bit of match fitness you know, he was trying to try and trying, getting an hold of the ball trying to cr- create something but there just wasn't nobody really to come on I felt sorry for the big man Beto yesterday who I thought was absolutely exceptional you know, I thought he had a great uh, debut in the Premier League was strong, was powerful for a 6 foot 4 6 foot 5 centre-forward. I think it was seven dribbles he successfully carried out, which is remarkable, to be fair, given the size of the man. So his legs were done after 75 minutes. He couldn't give any more. I think he was absolutely knackered. He'd been fighting with the with the, uh, the Sheffield United backline for most of the game. Thought felt he was very isolated in, in large parts. Um, I just think the international break, to be fair, has... Genuinely come a good time for everything. We've had a few injuries, Dominic Carver-Lewin, you know, um, Jack Harrison are probably the two massive ones that stand out, Dwight McNeil coming back to full fitness. I just feel like there's not real much options. I understand that the frustration around the Sean Dice because ultimately, points are what matters in football, I've said all along, I'd rather play rubbish and get three points than play amazingly, create loads of chances and sit here on one point after 12. Because it is... A bit doom and gloom, and sometimes, as we always say, you've got to call a spade a spade. But I just think, in the circumstances, it's difficult, isn't it? You know, the team was set up okay yesterday. We were creating chances. We had the higher, the higher xGA stat wise, two point eight one compared to Sheffield United's one point five, and that includes the the, the McBurney header and the, the follow up in the ninety eighth minute. So we should have probably won that game. I don't know how or what we could have done differently, to be fair. Unfortunately, as as I've touched on before, individual mistakes are just costing this team this year. You know, like Sean Dice alluded to in his press, we continuously make these individual mistakes. You know, it's not just a collective. It would just be one person doing something ridiculous, one person making a bad pass, one person going for something that they shouldn't do, one person not stopping the cross. It's the basics in football and... The one great that I've probably got with Sean Daysh at the moment, and I, I'm a big, you know, I'm, I'm happy with what's going on. Some, some people aren't, but the the chance of the that we're conceding is a lot higher than I anticipated. Everton are conceding a lot of good chances, so Everton needs to find a way now to completely nullify teams getting big chances against Everton. And it, or it and this is what what I think the problem is. I think we've got the probably the worst two fullbacks in the league. Obviously, Ashley Young being 38, Nathan Patterson just hasn't hit the ground running at all this year. And the, the need for an out-and-out out number six, you know, to protect that back line is imperative and we fail to bring one of them in in the transfer window. Garnagay is not a number six. He's a, he's, an, he's an offensive number eight. He he was excellent for me yesterday. I thought Garnagay was very, very good. But he just, again, there's no discipline for someone to sit there and protect the back four and everyone getting exposed on the counter attack. And that's something that, I don't know how we get round that. Do we go to a four-two-three-one 2 three, one? you put Onaro and Garner Gay in that too? And you say you do not press and you allow the likes of DeCorey, Dan Juma, Harrison McNeil, Beto, DCL to then go and be your offence? Because we need to nullify that. Points are what ultimately are going to keep us up in the Premier League and we need to start getting them soon.
2: Lee, how pleased were you with Beto? Beto's coming to Everton, obviously played 45 minutes against Doncaster, played the full 90 yesterday against Sheffield United. How pleased are you with him and what, do you, what are your thoughts on his performance?
3: Uh, yeah, same as Ben. I thought he was absolutely exceptional. Um, probably Everton's man of the match. I don't think there's any, any question about that. I thought he was just brilliant. Um, yeah, did look a little bit isolated at times. Um, you know, it was a tough day for him, but the things he was called upon to do, I just thought he was just really, really impressive. Uh, with the ball at his feet, like I mentioned, midweek, surprising, surprisingly good. Um, like, again, Ben's alluded to the dribbles. You know, he's not not afraid to get his head up and take a man on, which, again, was great. I think the signs of a really good signs of a nearly possible uh, promising partnership with Dan Juma as well. Um, you know, when, when they did link up, they, they looked particularly threatening. Um, so I think the goals will come, and I think he's going to make a massive difference. And, and even when you look at his... Um, you know, his activity at the end of the game, going over to the Everton fans and, and the feeling that was re- reciprocated towards him. You know, he's clearly got off to a, a really good start and the fans are, I can, have acknowledged that and have recognised that. Uh, and we, we seem to have found a little bit of a cult hero already because he's hit the ground running and I always think that's really important when you come into a, to a new club. Um, so it's the question now, obviously we have got an in- international break coming up. We've got, uh, you know, a couple of weeks off to sort of get people fit and healthy, um, and get a full squad or as close to a full squad as we possibly can back um, available. And when that happens, it's it's going to be you know a toss up between him and Dominic Calvert Lewin. Right now, if you were to ask me, I don't think you can take better well to the side because of the impact that he's had, um, you know, and just how mobile and athletic that he looks, at, and and how much of a threat that he is as well. And he's bringing people into play. So his hold up plays particularly good and I think that gives you midfielders confidence and your attackers and your wingers confidence that the ball's gonna stick and he can commit to the runs and it and, and it's not gonna bounce off him and we're gonna lose possession and there'll be a turnover. So I just think everything points towards him being our number one uh, recognised striker for the time being until he has a dip, which we hope hopefully he doesn't, and he just keeps he keeps flying for us because he's made a great start. He didn't get on the score sheet yesterday, but his overall performance, Bob I thought, was yeah, top
2: notch. Yeah, I agree. I thought he was very, very good. Paul, moving on from Beto, the back four continues to be questioned under the Sean Dyche. Obviously, Everton continuing to, to leak goals, another two conceded. He opted with Nathan Patterson at right back, Ashley Young at left back, and then a centre-back pairing of James Tarkovsky and Jared Branthwaite. What are you making of Sean Dyche's
0: back four at the moment? I think it's so limited options, but... I'd like to see Garda get a go at right back if, he's, if he doesn't really want to play Mikhailenko at left back and young at right back. I'd like to see Gara there. We know he can do a job there. He was excellent, as I, as I said, a no, number of times for the 21s in the summer in the European Championship. He's played there forever, and although it wasn't a five against Bournemouth last season. But I'd like to see him get to go because uh, although Patsy got put a very good crossing for the goal, I thought he had another difficult game and... I've just said before, I think he's just lacking confidence. His confidence is not there at the moment. And as a manager, it's your job to sort of look after the player mentally of also physically. So you need to sort of take him and say, listen, you need a break. You need to sort of regroup. Get yourself going because you're going to be important for the team going forward. So just sit out a game or two and make sure you get yourself up to speed and mentally in the, in the right position. Because I think the confidence of Patson is not all there at the moment. Wanted to give a special mention, though, to Jared Blanfield. I thought he was excellent. Absolutely outstanding. Best player on the park by a mile. I thought he brought calmness on the ball. Won everything, every single duel in the air. He just looked strong. He's got to go to the very top of him. I think. He, he's, got to, he's got to be a very, very good player. And he's been a breath of fresh air since he's game. in. Although, we haven't really picked up the points. But his performances have been very, very good these past two games. So, yeah. Difficult options at full back, but the breakthrough of Jared Bradford is easier to stay in the eleven, he can't get dropped whatsoever.
2: Mm, yeah, fair assessment. Ben moving on from the game against Sheffield United. Obviously news now coming out after the game that Sean Dyche had actually said regarding Damari Gray's exclusion from the Everton squad that he would be reintegrated back into the team. That's what he said to the media. However, moving on, a Saudi club Al-Etifak are now in talks with Everton for Damari Gray. What, what do you make of this whole situation regarding Damari Gray? He's not training with Everton at Finch Farm currently. Failed in an earlier move during the summer to go to Saudi due to a change of board ownership of board ownership Al-Shabaab. And now Al-Etifak are now open talks with Everton to sign Damari Gray. What, what, are, you, what are your thoughts on the whole Handling of Damari Gray from Everton and also Damari Gray's handling of the situation from his Instagram post today?
1: First and foremost, I genuinely think from any player, and we spoke about it, you know, previously, the likes of Wilfrid Gennon, over the summer, you know, being so vocal about issues concerning their thoughts towards the club, things happen behind closed doors. You know, players fall out with managers all the time, players look to moves, but it's there to keep it private, you know, regardless of your thoughts of who's at fault here, you keep stuff like this private. You don't, you don't socialize it all over social media and say it's just disrespectful towards the club and ultimately disrespectful towards the, the fans. Ultimately, any of us would have sold Demary Gray for ten to twelve million pounds at the start of the window. I think he's the player who is inconsistent. You know, started off like a house on fire under Rafael Benitez when he first came to the club, but. You know, 1-10 isn't good enough, goes missing in games, inconsistent. But ultimately, it takes two to tango. It it, it does. Sean Dyche and Damari Gray takes two to tango. And history is a history repeating itself. I know Damari Gray said Leicester didn't show him any respect when he fell out with Brendan Rodgers. And now he's saying that the manager hasn't shown him any respect and Everton have not shown him any respect and that he now wants to leave the club. No one's bigger than the football club. Genuinely, no one. No player, no manager. Nobody. The football club is ultimately will will be there for a long time and will be there for the foreseeable. So Demari Gray is another player that comes and goes. Ultimately, who I do want to cast blame on is probably Everton themselves. That they knew that Demari Gray's situation was ongoing. They knew this was happening. They knew that he wanted out. They knew that there was bids on the table. So why haven't we got this done like a lot sooner? This should have been done back in again, June, July, August. Why is it being done when the transfer window is now shut? Because regardless of what you think, Damari Grain's actions and what I think, everything are another going to be another player short here again. You know, does it leave us with limited options until January? Will we even see this money in January? Is this going to be more money to, to help aid the cash flow in and out of the club? Who knows? What I do know is it needs to be resolved. Like now, it needs. To, you know, I don't agree with players coming out. Yourself, Bobble said you didn't approve of what Wilfred Canonto had done. Uh, and other players in the past I just feel like players have got this chip on the shoulder that you know they got, they've inflated egos they think they're bigger and better than anybody else and maybe the manager does as well but at least in his comments he said he wants to wins of back into the first team didn't come out and publicly hammer Damari Gray nobody's ever come out publicly hammered Damari Gray but I just don't agree with get going like so public That that's just my views don't let don't everyone else think
2: well, let's get the opinions. Lee and Paul Lee, we'll come to you first. What's your opinion on the whole saga surrounding Demario Grey from start to finish?
3: Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Um, I think there's obviously been a, a build up to this point where he's gone on Instagram and he's put he's put this story on or whatever. Um, you know, it's not just happened out of the blue. Um, but I think given the the grace of time, I think DeMario Gray will look back at that and probably wish he hasn't he hadn't done it. Um, is it really necessary? It's quite obvious that. There's been a fallout with the manager and he's out of favour. I think Everton fans are all onto that anyway without the need for him to go on Instagram and start aiming digs at the manager. So it all seems a little bit avoidable and unnecessary for me. Um, I, I agree with what Ben said there. I think we all cast our minds back to that really sunny, sunny day back in um, early Benitez era at Brighton where Damari Gray was absolutely unbelievable on the day and we thought we'd signed you know, a, a worldie for £1.5 uh, or whatever. But the reality is, I agree, Uh, he's flattered to deceive more often than not. Um, So, you know, he's been probably a player, maybe three or four, five, over the last couple of years that you can look to and and say, okay, they've had a contribution. They've done in spells, they've they've done okay uh, for Everton. And I think Damari Gray fits into that category where, you know, he's scored goals, he's had assists. But there's also been other games where he's completely anonymous and it it looks like he can only be half-arsed, really which is not, not good enough when you're in the position that, that we're in and we can't afford passengers like that. Um, of course, the situation at Everton now um, is you know we're, we're really low on body. So in an ideal world, you'd want uh, a situation where Damari Gray could potentially be used as a, as a squad player coming off the bench. I don't think he'd start if everyone's fit now. Um, but that's not the case. And if you've got a player who's unhappy and he's destabilised and there's a relationship breakdown with the manager, then the best thing is to get the best feet possible for him and, and, and like Ben said, I completely agree. If you were to turn around and say £10 million for Damari Gray, I don't think Everton as, as a club right now are in a position to turn that down. So, good luck to him. Um, but yeah, I think he's going to handle this a little bit better towards the end. leaves a sour taste in the mouth.
2: Mm. Paul, what are your thoughts on the whole situation Mar- regarding Damari Gray? Would you hope to, you know, for him to be playing for Everton until he left? Would you hope Dyke would have got him reintegrated at the start of pre-season when he got back from the Jamaica tour? Are you, are you, do you think it was right to... You know, push him aside or and, and say you're not gonna train with us, you're not gonna feature. What are your thoughts on it?
0: I think it's a bit of a mess from everyone involved myself, from Everton, Sean Dyche and his staff and the Māori himself, honestly, with the Māori being right now at the end when he's sort of gone public with it a bit, sorry. But um I think Sean Dyche should have had him integrated into the team when we were so low on bodies. I remember I did say earlier in the window on one of the on one of the shows with yourself that I, I, I thought of understand that Damani Gray wasn't being involved in games as he, as it looked like he was getting closer to going to Fulham. However, when that was out the window, he needed to be back into the squad straight away. We've been playing with a, with a central midfielder out on the wing for, for five games, not for four Premier League games and obviously a Carabao Cup game. He could have been involved in the squad, even if he's not starting. He could have been coming off the bench. We already touched on before. Yes, they were only had Dwight McNeil to come off the bench. So that's something that could have been utilised. Although, I'm not the Mari Gray's biggest fan. I'm not. But it's an option. It's it's an option. He's got pace. He you can you can take a player on. It's something that defenders don't like to face, especially when they are getting tired and the game's sticking on and, and there's space in behind. So I think it is a bit of a mess from everybody involved. With also, I don't think you should sell him now. I, I don't, I really don't think you should sell him now. I don't think you can sell Mari Gray, Alex Iwobi, loan out Neil Morpé and sell Tom Cannon and not have nobody coming to what already was quite a weak attacking front line. Although he brought Harrison in and he came in and jammed. we don't know how that's going to work out. Hopefully he, he does well, which I, I think he's relatively real well, because I think he's a, uh, the kind of player that can do well for the Sean Dice team but as I say I think it's a mess from all parties involved And I personally right now with the window closed one and him, so John mm,
2: Fair assessment guys fair assessment and there we have it guys Sheffield United 2 Everton 2 Everton take a point on the road at Bramall Lane with Damari Gray now in talks to leave Everton and join Saudi club Al Etifak in the meantime have a great weekend and we'll see you very soon take care and all the very best